Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. Now, I know it's going to be really difficult for this year's divisional round to top the chaos of last year's divisional round. That doesn't mean that you can't bet on all the odds, props, promos, and parlays for this divisional playoff when you head over to Bet Online Sportsbook. If you use our code BLEAV50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, with the link in the description to this episode, you can can get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon. Good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live. On the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is a fantabulous January 19th, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count. We appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody. We are getting ready for some wild card football this weekend. We are going to take not one, but two days to break down all of the games that are about to come up on Divisional Playoff Weekend. Why? Because all season I've been saying that we want to have a healthy relationship with football and not watch bad football. Well, there is no bad football anymore. All of the teams remaining are either the six best in the NFL or the Jaguars and Giants, which Jaguars and Giants are not awful. They won playoff games this year. The six best teams are the six teams remaining. Dallas, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Cincinnati, Buffalo, and Kansas City. Those are the six best teams in the NFL. Half of them are going to play against each other on Sunday. They're going to be incredibly entertaining football games. And to get ready for all of this action, we are going to welcome back our friend, RJ Ochoa, from the Blog and the Boys SB Nation site. He runs the page. He's ran it for many years. RJ's been on this show a couple times over the past couple years as a Dallas Cowboy insider and doing, I think, a better job than most at actually covering this Cowboys team like an objective football team. I know the Dallas Cowboys drive ratings all over the place. I know you can find people talking about the Cowboys because they are the national team more so than the 49ers or the Steelers or even New England. Dallas, he RJ does a really good job of analyzing this Cowboys team like an actual football team, and you'll hear him talk about it today with the perspective and the recent history of the Cowboys. It's a really great conversation. I'm excited to share it with you guys getting set for 49ers versus Cowboys because I think that is the most entertaining game from a football X's and O's standpoint right up there with Buffalo and Cincinnati this weekend. 
Dallas and San Francisco are two of the six best teams in the sport. They're going to play each other this weekend. It's going to be really, really fun. And RJ is going to help us get set by talking about it from the Cowboys' perspective, talking about matchups with the 49ers' defense, matchups with the 49ers' offense, and just perspective on the Dallas Cowboys, which I think is more of an entertaining conversation than any X's and O's analysis we could provide you on this show. So, with that being said, RJ Ochoa joining us here today on the Take It Easy podcast to talk Dallas Cowboys versus San Francisco 49ers. All right. So, coming off of the first road playoff victory in 30 years, I felt like it would be a good time to uh, make a call to our old friend RJ Ochoa. Uh, he has been covering the Dallas Cowboys for many, many years, uh, currently over. Uh, you're still over at SB Nation, right? That's correct. All right. RJ has been there at least as long as I've known him, and he's been a guest on the show uh, a couple times. So wanted to make the call. Uh, how are you feeling? How uh, has the season been for you? Anything and everything that you're feeling? Uh, it's been um, a ride. It's been a journey and um, unexpected in a lot of ways, obviously, and, and put together weirdly. Um, I don't think anybody saw the Cowboys winning four or five games of that deck, Prescott. And so um, they've, they've been a really solid team, but, but in a way that's been really unfamiliar for them for a really long time. And it's been an interesting little pivot for them as they go from... Uh... You know, the trading for Amari Cooper, extending Ezekiel Elliott to Marcus Lawrence to now pivoting uh, to basically a core that wasn't on the team prior to Prescott's injury in 2020. When you talk about Diggs and Micah Parsons and C.D. Lamb, who was obviously drafted in 2020, but only got about four games with Dak before the injury. It's interesting to see that pivot because, you know, I, I'm always skeptical of teams who try and like rebuild the plane in the sky and trying to retool the roster through the draft, particularly in the middle of the draft. But I mean, the end result is the Cowboys are back to the team they were when Prescott was flipping into the end zone against the Seahawks in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at just the time since then, you know, in 19, they, they got close and, and just kind of embarrassed themselves down the stretch. And then Jason Garrett was dismissed. And then Dak got hurt, and so 2020 is kind of a wash. And, and ever since then, it's it's just been about, you know, the the new core and Diggs kind of assimilating himself and CD kind of becoming, and obviously the departure of Amari. Um, you know, I would say 2020, again, was their first season without Jason Witten. But, but again, with Dak Prescott being injured, that kind of just muddied things a little bit. So this has also kind of been the first time that they've been able to utilize multiple tight ends. Like, their, their offense has changed in that sense. And um, the last two years have kind of been the – you know, the regression that we've seen from Zeke and the emergence of Tony Pard. And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's not only rebuilding the plane. I mean, it's it's almost like going from a plane to a helicopter. Like, it's an entirely different vehicle in different senses. How much of that do you attribute to Kellen Moore? And, like, I don't not necessarily, like, adjusting his offense, but just adjusting to the personnel that he has. A lot. I mean, I think people, um, you ask Cowboys fans and, and a lot of people think he sucks or he's terrible. And I mean, I think that's like, I think a lot of teams hate their coordinators. Like, I, you know, there's a lot of Eagles fans who think Jonathan Gannon's terrible. It's like, dude, they, they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, I, I mean, Kellen, I, I don't know that I think he's ready to be a head coach. I mean, he's just because he's so young and, you know, we haven't really seen that from him. Um, but he has been super impressive. And the, the fact that he's been able to kind of persevere and and the fact that the Cowboys are now utilizing Tony Parr, that they've, they've begun using CeeDee Lamb in all sorts of motion, uh, that we have seen the incorporation of multiple tight ends. It does feel like they, they've bought more into what Kellen and, and kind of his young 
millennial ways can offer as opposed to, you know, what they were operating under with Scott Linehan and Jason Garrett previously. You know, it's interesting that you mentioned that. I guess this is a good way to transition into the Niners game, which is um, having CeeDee Lamb go in motion and then kind of giving him what I think of as like a head start when he's um, coming off the line. I know um, Miami uses this a lot with Tariq Hill, um, where they, they, they move Lamb in motion and it kind of creates space either horizontally or vertically. Um, how important is that going to be against the 49ers? Because it feels like San Francisco in the linebacking unit and the front seven is really, really solid. So how how important do you think that kind of like offensive game plan is going to be against the Niners? I mean, it's critical. <laughs> like, you know, th- everything is critical against it. This is maybe the best team in the NFL um, in some stretches. They, you know, they, they don't have Patrick Mahomes. But I mean, if you're talking, you know, every non-quarterback position, they're probably the best team in the NFL. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and CD, you know, he had, a, he had a big touchdown on the fourth down on Monday night. But um you know, didn't have like a superstar sort of game. Um, again, it was a, a, a nice performance, but not not the sort of hero, you know, outing we've seen from him over the last few weeks. And so, you know, call it a decoy, call it whatever you want, call it eye candy. I mean, he's he's going to have to be a function of the offense, whether it is him making plays um, or obviously opening up opportunities for other players. And, and to, you know, the supporting cast credit, we saw Dalton Schultz show up on Monday night. We saw Michael Gallup have a, a season high or, or tie a season high on catches. And, uh, you know, it's been a, a ho-hum season for him. But, um, you know, five catches is, is impressive for him, given what we've seen this year. So, I mean, you could argue that's where the game is going to be won or, or lost. I mean, because Dak's probably not going to have as clean of a pocket to work with against San Francisco as he did against Tampa Bay. And so that that tiny little head start, to use your term, is is massive. I mean, it could be the difference between somebody being open in the initial second, second and a half, and somebody not. And, and therefore, you know, even if it's throwing an incomplete pass or taking a sack, I mean, those those are the things that are going to add up over and over and over again on Sunday. And you mentioned Dalton Schultz in there, which is super interesting because I I know the Cowboys offense has been really good this year. I don't think people recognize that Dalton Schultz is basically putting up like Mark Andrews levels of production as essentially the number three receiver on the Cowboys. Um, obviously, 100 yards, two touchdowns last game. Like what is Dalton Schultz? You mentioned Jason Witten earlier in adapting the offense from that. What has Dalton Schultz kind of done this year? I, I remember it being in the Cooper Rush games also, but specifically like this year with Dak and and what they're doing on offense. It's it's been a bit of a down year for him. I mean, I'd say his his most impressive year was was twenty one, and that was why you know the Cowboys tagged him. I mean, they they kind of had you know had to at this point, and so um, you know I don't know that anybody feels like he was or wasn't worth the eleven million dollars that it ultimately came up to, especially when you look at the fact that Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot have both kind of had their moments too. And you know I don't know that you you feel like they could have been what Dalton's been, but um, I think we've seen. You know, over the last three games the Cowboys have played, the last two games have been the road game in Tennessee on Thursday night football, obviously the terrible game in Washington, and then Monday night. Dalton Schultz has four touchdowns in those two games. I mean, he caught two in Tennessee uh, and obviously two on Monday night. And and he is the, the third receiving option. You could argue he's the second receiving option a lot of times for Dak. And so I, I don't know that they've been saving this or, or hiding this or anything like that, but, but that is a function of the offense that hadn't been as stout as it was a year ago. Um, and, and some of that was the, the fact that Dak missed five games. Dalton got banged up, too. Um, but but it does feel like they're finally starting to kind of find that. I mean, Dalton has, has been really, really valuable. He was drafted just a few days after Witten retired the first time. Um, people remember that. And, and then obviously he came out of retirement. But 
Um, he has low key turned into somebody really valuable for the Cowboys and, and he's going to have to win. That's, that's the thing. That's why the Cowboys, when they have struggled, it's been nobody outside of CD lamb is winning, but Dalton Schultz obviously got him open or got himself open on Monday night. It's, it's going to take that. I mean, it's going to take that on Sunday. And even if they do advance, it's going to take that against Philly or New York or Buffalo or Kansas city or Cincinnati or whoever it winds up being. So recent games, going back to like, say, the Eagles game, the Titans game, if you want to take anything from Washington, so be it. But like the Eagles, Titans and Cowboys games, what are the things that you've been most excited about watching the Cowboys? You know, every game from Christmas Eve on, um, that that was the Eagles game, they have, um, at least before Monday night, they had some sort of safety net beneath them. They knew going into that Philly game um, that, that they were a playoff team. They clinched a playoff birth actually the day they lost to Jacksonville um, when the Giants beat the Commanders later that night on Sunday Night Football in the game that was flexed in so you know that game against Philly was a little bit of a measuring stick again the fact that Jalen Hurts missed it did sort of muddy it up a little bit um, but that was the the first or the most recent time we had seen them kind of you know I, I think an underrated thing um, and I'm, I'm gonna forget exactly who they were uh, but Mike McCarthy rotates his captains. He doesn't have set captains for the season. And that – so every week it's a different offensive captain, different defensive and special teams. That day against the Eagles, Dak Prescott was the offensive captain. I, I think it was it was either Micah Parsons or Demarcus Lawrence, um, and I think C.J. Goodwin on special teams. And it was – you know, th- that generally comes out about an hour before kickoff. And it was very clear – you know, I tweeted this, and a lot of people in Cowboys Twitter were like, okay, th- this is the, like, we're serious captain group, right? Th- this is the, like, we're taking this game completely <laughs> and totally seriously. You know, and it is it is a cool system because it allows, you know, some weeks you're, you know, some weeks Connor McGovern can be your captain when that otherwise wouldn't necessarily be the case. But um, similarly, on Monday night, the Cowboys announced their playoff captains. And on offense, they're Dak Prescott and Zach Martin. On defense, Micah Parsons and DeMarcus, sorry, DeMarcus Lawrence and Jaron Curse. And on special teams, CJ Goodwin and Luke Gifford. And those are the like, those are the dudes on the program. Those are the faces. Again, Micah's Micah, but those are the true total. <laughs> like, so my, 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 my point in all this is like that Philly game was clearly them taking it 10 out of 10 on the seriousness scale. And they didn't quite take it that same way on the road in Tennessee a few days later. Cause they kind of thought like, well, you know, Philly's probably going to beat the Saints a few days from now. You know, we're going to get locked. The into Titans are sitting eventually. people like that. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That It was not a serious game for them. And that, that's an important factor. The Titans weren't playing for anything. And the commanders were obviously eliminated when Dallas visited them. So the Cowboys were in both of those games in this weird wonky place with their own standing, not knowing how hard or how totally to play. And they drew two players or two teams, excuse me, who had nothing to play for for different reasons, obviously. Um, so to answer your question, I mean, the last two times that they have had, you know, everything on the line, so to speak, they have dominated offensively. Now, I know they didn't contain Gardner Minshew and Tom Brady's a very different person in the here and now. Uh, but that that is my big takeaway is that when they want to turn it on, they have shown an ability to do that. It's a two game sample size, but it is encouraging. Well, you mentioned turning it on on offense. If we flip it to the other side, I mean. You said Micah is Micah, which I think is the understatement of the year because like that dude is so incredible at football. Um, But flipping it around, 49ers offense versus Cowboys defense. What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you afraid of? Just any thoughts about that matchup going into uh, Sunday? I'm afraid of everything. And that's that's (laughs) where this game is very different um, than a year ago. Um, I don't know how well you remember, but going into week 18 last year, I don't remember exactly what the Niners situation was, but they needed a win to get in. 
and they were playing the Rams in LA and um, LA had won the division already. So there was this like, do you want to play and keep them out type stuff, whatever. It was uh, um, but, for people Niners, who remember, it was that game where like Garoppolo threw a pass that like just missed Jalen Ramsey's fingertips. And that was right. the thing that got him into the playoffs. And so they get in and but it, like them winning got them in, but it also knocked LA from the third seed to the fourth seed. And it promoted Dallas from the fourth seed to the third seed. Um, and that day, every Cowboys fan was like, oh, right on, because as a result of that, L.A. drew the Cardinals and the Cowboys drew the Niners. And I know how stupid this sounds now, uh, but in that moment, Cowboys fans were a little bit fearful of the Cardinals. They had beaten the Cowboys a few weeks earlier. And on the surface, it was like, who who would you rather play, Kyler Murray or Jimmy Garoppolo? And yeah. obviously, in the year since, we've we've all grown to respect Kyle Shanahan much more. Um, and so every Cowboys fan was foaming at the mouth, just, oh, hell yeah, th- this is a straight ticket to the divisional round just, just to get embarrassed. I mean, and, and they got exposed and whatever you want to call it. Um, and so now I think every Cowboys fan is like, dude, I don't want any part of this. In fact, on, um, on Saturday when San Francisco won, we ran a poll at our site just kind of talking about if the Giants win, it means this, and Minnesota wins, it means this. And we just kind of say, who do you want to play? Like, who do you want to play, Philly or, or San Francisco? 95% of our, you know, audience said Philly. And it was nothing to do with like, oh, we, we think we can wax the Eagles. It was just, I'm this afraid of, of the 49ers. And so um, everybody is is dramatically afraid of them. And um, yeah, Brock Purdy didn't have the best, you know, EPA per play, you know, wasn't the most efficient, you know, quarterback a week ago. But that machine is really scary. And nobody knows that better than the Cowboys. And so... Um, I'm afraid, but but in a weird way, like enjoying the fear, like the the fear is associated with something that that is valuable, obviously. Um, So it it will take Micah being Micah. It will take Demarcus Lawrence showing up. It will take J. Ron Curse playing through the injury. But I mean, they they weren't supposed to do a lot of the things they've already done. So I'm I'm kind of done, not underestimating them, but I'm done being surprised. Like I'm, I'm, hey, man, let the cards fall where they may. They fall, they fall your direction a lot. Yeah, and I think the 49ers team this year is certainly a better team than last year's and will probably be better than next year. I mean, they have currently the number one ranked defense and an offense where Brock Purdy's been number one in a number of statistical categories since he took over six weeks ago. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's for me the best team in the NFC. There's a reason the Cowboys are underdogs and like it's it's a team that's putting up a more prolific offensive performance than last year's team and that's something that's going to be interesting because the Cowboys defense is really good but it, it hasn't changed a whole lot from last year you're not seeing a whole lot of big changes fundamentally with how they're scheming how they're playing they've had good health Micah Parsons is you know probably going to finish second in defensive player of the year although I think he probably could should would beat out Nick Bosa I mean it it that part's going to be interesting to watch because, I mean, you mentioned it earlier, The Brock Purdy might be quarterback, but they've got five pro bowlers plus another thousand yard receiver on offense, which is kind of funny to think about. It's terrifying. I mean, that's like, I don't know. It's it's one of the more strange um, Cowboys playoff games I can remember. Um, you know, generally going into one, um, certainly a, a divisional game, it, it's felt like you know, not team of destiny vibes, but it's felt like, okay, this is the story, right? Like they, they've got to go to LA. Jerry Jones is responsible for them bringing football back to Los Angeles. They've got to be the team that that's where they're going to clinch their, their first NFC championship game appearance in forever. Oh, of of course it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. They have to get to the boogeyman. Like it's the the story has kind of written itself several times. This is not a story. This is a nightmare, right? Like this is terrifying and spooky and like, (laughs) Sure, like, yeah, it's the Cowboys and Niners and, you know, whatever, and Mike McCarthy and the Niners. But, like, 
I, I think that they just, I think they respect this team and, and I think that they, they know it's going to be a battle. Yeah. I think the, what was it? The 2018 season when they, um, when they got to the Rams in the, uh, uh the divisional playoff, it felt like that was kind of like, oh, look at this incredible run that you've had. But now here come the big, bad Los Angeles Rams who are coming off a bye to beat you. I don't know if that's how Cowboys fans thought about it. That was just my perception of the game. And then uh, I think it was surprising when C.J. Anderson did what he did. But this year's team has like the good vibes feeling. I mean, last year ended in disappointment. So I think winning that one playoff game and not collapsing against Tampa at least has good vibes going around. I agree. And it, it felt that way in, in 18. They were they were three and five um, when they traded for I'm sorry, they were three and four when they traded for Amari Cooper that year. And then they lost the first game. So they fell to three and five and they ripped off five in a row and, and just, you know, wound up winning the NFC East. And and they beat a Seahawks team that didn't want to let prime Russell Wilson work. And so um, <laughs> it, it, it did feel like kind of a, a false floor hovering underneath them. And it, it felt like the bottom was going to come out eventually. I know people didn't really respect Jared Goff, but yeah, CJ Anderson just kind of had his way with them. And so, um, I mean, yeah, the vibes are good and, and the vibes are impressive. And, and certainly the vibes coming off of Monday night are impressive. I don't know. I haven't decided how much I feel beating Tom Brady means. Like, I, I don't know if you if you feel more invincible or, or whatever. I mean, it's hard to measure that. Um, I did look and since 2010, um, obviously outside of years, he's won the Super Bowl. Every team that's beaten him in the playoffs has at least made it to the, the, the uh, excuse me, the conference championship. Although to be fair, a lot of times that happened in the divisional round. Um, there've only been two wildcard teams that beat him, but they both did at least win their divisional matchups. It was the 2010 Jets and 19 Titans, um, who had similar kind of stories, right? Like you're not supposed to be here type thing. Um, now obviously they both lost the, the championship games, but you know, kind of was what it was. Yeah, and I think this is a different experience than the traditional Patriots teams of Tom Brady because we knew that the Cowboys, the Cowboys were favored. They were three and a half point favorites in that game and they won pretty handily, which felt and we kind of knew for a little bit since it didn't see. I mean, Dallas had a moment where we thought they were going to win the division, but like for the most part, they kind of knew they were going to be the fifth wildcard team. So you could kind of like envision that that was going to be the matchup. Um, I guess like for me, who's someone who doesn't have a stake in the game, I just think about it's really hard to win playoff games in the NFL. I know sometimes like teams like Kansas City and Buffalo and Cincinnati make it seem easy, but like it's really hard to win playoff games. And so to get back to this space seems like an accomplishment, but I also understand being in the moment and being like, yeah, but I don't want to think about just being happy to be here. Like we've got a playoff game against the 49ers. That's like the biggest game the Cowboys have played in four to eight years. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. Like I'm sure you've seen, you know, the Cowboys are a playoff team in two straight years for the first time since 2006 and 2007. They've won double digit games in back-to-back -back years for the first time since 1995 and 1996. They've won at least 12 games in back-to-back -back years um, since 1994, 1995. Granted um, last year, their, their 12th and was the, the eight, the 17th game. Um, I mean, they, they have the same coach who has overseen these things in back-to-back -back years for the first time since 1993 and 1994. I mean, like, it, and, and you can argue like, oh my gosh, this is so pathetic. The Cowboys fans are, are hyped over a divisional round appearance. Well, I mean, it is a little bit pathetic, but like the standard, like people think of like the Cowboys in different ways. And it's like, they have been really bad and, and they have been victims of bad luck. They've been victims of getting in their own way. But th this is strange. This is foreign for them to, to do this. And so it is an enormous accomplishment. I mean, I tweeted this out the morning that we're recording this. 
in the 20 years before drafting Dak Prescott, they made the division around four times. In the seven years that he's been their quarterback, they've done it three times. I mean, so does that – do you hang a banner for that? No. Uh, but but it does suggest that things are, are turning for the better. And, and if you get there enough times, you know, the odds are that fate will eventually smile on you. And it makes you better than half of the league. Like half of the league has not won – I mean, they one year they were the, the in the first round by like half the league hasn't gotten the number one seed and won two playoff games over the last decade. So it makes you better than half the league, which is something that couldn't be said for the Cowboys for the last 20 years. So if you adjust that expectation, I mean, it has been a success. And Dak Prescott has been a, a the Dak Prescott era, as it might be called. I think of it as the Dak and Zeke era just because they entered at the same time. I know Zeke hasn't been a key part of the team for a couple of years now, but like thinking of the Dak Prescott Ezekiel Elliott era like that, this has been a resounding success relative to the rest of the NFL, especially when you think about this, how this all began with Dak being the, the fourth round pick who immediately comes in, wins offensive rookie of the year and they go 13 and three. Yeah, I mean, and it has been an era. I mean, this is a small thing, but they they moved into the star, which is their their it's not new anymore, but their new world headquarters that year, that rookie year. And so, I mean, it really has been like not like one chapter to another. It's been like one book to another. Like they, you know, and they were kind of forced to close it on themselves. But um, I mean, and they're the Cowboys, so like things are going to be said and like narratives are going to be made. Um, and that's why, like, you know, Monday night was this really anxious day for Cowboys fans because there was a lot of like, man, they're going to do it again energy. They're going to find a way. They're going to blow it. Of course, they're going to they're going to let Tom Brady in, whatever. And so it was this really like kind of cathartic experience for them to just like end him and, and end the Bucks. And like and I mean, they they hadn't they had never beaten him. They were wearing their cursed Navy jerseys. They were on grass. It was a Monday. Like there were all these like stupid little things that live in your head more rent free if you're a Cowboys fan and you've experienced all this heartache. And you're a little bit more skeptical after last year. From what I'm understanding, you were like, oh, we're going to run through the 49ers and we're going to get to the divisional round and we're going to play Tom Brady. Like it seemed like the the vibe had changed after everything that was experienced last year. Well, and like some of that is like, I don't blame the players, but some of that is like things they do and they've bought in and whatever. I mean, and it, again, it's the Cowboys. It's kind of a, a lavish lifestyle. But, you know, and everybody brought this up last week when, when Dak told Tom Brady in the 2021 season opener, we'll see you again, right? Like, oh, well, you know, whatever. And, and that was the thing, right? Like, you couldn't even get there last year. Um, and, you know, in 2015, when Tony Romo was hurt, the Cowboys lost to the Patriots at home. And Tony Romo, in in sweats because he was hurt, walked up to, I don't know if you remember this, Tom Brady said, we'll see you in February. It's like, you guys went 4-12. and 12. Like, just stop talking. <laughs> like, you know, like, like stop, stop pretending to, to be this mighty thing. And so, like, that's what's been – fun and weird and inspiring about them this year is they have stopped pretending they have stopped like you know living off of the accomplishments of the you know now 50 and 60 year olds that came before them they are forging their own path and that might not be like the ultimate path that might be a path that ends on sunday in san francisco but at the very least it is theirs and it has not felt like they have done that in the past well so in the spirit of forging your own path where are your expectations sitting before Sunday? Where are you personally RJ Ochoa of blog of blogging the boys available uh anywhere you have the internet? What are you feeling going into Sunday? Um I mean I I didn't show up and do all this myself to not pick the Cowboys, right? Like and I'm I'm fine. Like I'm fine <laughs> waving my Homer flag and whatever. Um but it's I, it's the least confident I've ever been that they would not in them, but in that they would win the game, like win a playoff game. And I don't know how long. I mean, 
In 18, I thought they'd beat the Rams. I thought they'd beat the Seahawks. In 16, I thought they'd beat the Packers after the bye. I thought they would be, I thought they had a chance in this team of destiny way to beat the Packers at Lambeau when Des caught it. Um, they, they squeaked by the Lions and the Anthony Hitchens thing, whatever. Um, I, I would say the last time I felt this kind of like up against something was in 09 in the division around when they went and played Brent Favre's Vikings and they just got waxed. And that was a very different team than this Niners team. Um, and yeah, like there's ghosts or whatever, like it's Cowboys Niners and it's a rematch and it's, it's the team who bounced through a year ago. And, and, you know, Mike McCarthy was their OC and Alex Smith and Aaron Rodgers and, and, you know, and I can, I can tell the story, right? Like I can tell myself, oh, you went there, you did it now. Now you're Troy and Emmett and Irvin and, and now Mike, you're Jimmy and, and you can say, how about them Cowboys? Now you can do all this stuff. And it really is a rivalry. You took down Kyle Shanahan. I think, you know, something, a funny little wrinkle is in Mike McCarthy's introductory press conference in 2020, he was asked, because he, you know, obviously sat out the whole year, what teams did you watch and enjoy that I really loved? Kyle Shanahan's San Francisco 49ers that, that lost the Super Bowl. And so it is funny that, that these um, have been the, the team or this has been the team to get in their way. And I mean, look, this is this is why Mike McCarthy was hired. And that isn't to suggest you fire him if they lose this game, but it was, okay, we can get to this division around. We can get to this point. This is the hurdle. You're supposed to be the dude. And you know what? He was the dude on Monday night to beat Tom Brady, to win in the Navy jerseys, to win on the grass, to, to get the best out of Dak Prescott. So he's been that guy. And, I mean, I can talk myself into it. I can talk myself into them being the underdog. But I can also, you know, reckon with the fact that they're up against one of the best teams that we've seen put together on a football field in a very long time. And if they win, I will scream and holler and tweet and go crazy about it over and over and over again. Uh, and then I will come back down to Anxiety Town if they have to go to Philadelphia for the NFC title game. I mean, that would be um, really wild. And, and that's been a thing, right? Like people say like, oh, it's a, it's a revenge tour. You, you got Brady back. You can go get Frisco back. And I don't know that they have any revenge or scores to settle with the Eagles. Like they're annoying and it's a rivalry, but if they have revenge to settle, it's with the Giants from 07 when they went to Texas Stadium and beat them. And this would kind of be the culmination of all of the crap that we've dealt with for the last 15 years. But um, I, I'm, I'm, I feel like I've tried to pick with my head so many times and I've convinced myself that I've picked with my head so many times in the past. I've reached a point where I'm fine picking with my heart and I'm going to pick the Cowboys. I think that's a good way and a, a healthy perspective to take there because it doesn't like it'll suck if they lose. It doesn't sound like you'll be devastated if they lose this football game. I mean, it, it'll be devastating in the normal way, right? Like, yeah. oh, you lost a, like you had a chance and it's hard to get here. Like you said, it's think about how much life you have to live to get back to this point a year from now. Um, and so it will suck. But they are proving that, you know, you can't turn a ship 180 degrees in, in one fell swoop and um for for the first time they're heading further north than they are further south and that's encouraging at least and i think you had a good perspective on mike mccarthy which was you know he hasn't run this thing into the ground which would be something worthy of a firing i mean that's kind of why garrett was out at the end of 2019 was because everything kind of uh, fell apart at the end there with a team that should have won the division and didn't um the best thing, and I wasn't sure it was going to happen, but the, the best thing I can say about McCarthy is that it he he has not messed it up. He has not totally imploded the machine. So they've performed to about expectations of the talented roster. Jerry's retooled everything with Parsons to Lamb and Diggs now being the core of the team. And Mike McCarthy has not driven it into the ground. So like you said, he's going to keep his job no matter what and maybe even have a contract extension coming his way. I tell you what, though, if if they win on Sunday and it's, it's fun, right? Like that's the whole reason you do this is because it's fun. If they win and you know, you're afraid to let yourself kind of like dream that and imagine that, right? Every Cowboys fan has been doing that, you know, since before social media existed, 
it it would be the most wild week of all time. Like, it, I mean, I don't even know what next week would look like. I feel like I haven't slept much this week. Um, it would be stupid. I mean, it, it would be insane. <laughs> and, and if if the Giants pulled off the upset and they got a chance to host that title game, and and you know, God willing, they they if they made it to the like what like we, we sit here and we say like oh like the world loves the NFL, the country loves the NFL. I don't know the exact viewership number. I know there were some preliminary ones. I guarantee you Monday was like the most watched non-Super Bowl playoff game of all time. Like if if the Cowboys even just reached the NFC title game, it would be a chaos un, unknown to any of us because it hasn't happened in any of our like it hasn't happened in modern history relative to our lives. Obviously. For the national team of the NFL to have a game like that where every market is going to have people tuning in. Uh, because even even I think the 49ers are becoming a national team, but I don't even think that compares to what the Cowboys have because it's every city in America is going to have people tuning in to watch this game. And that's going to be really interesting to watch if they do get to an NFC championship against uh, let's assume it's the Eagles, because I think the Eagles are going to score 40 points against the Giants this weekend. <laughs> but it'd be know. wild. And I mean, my, my kind of final thought and something I've been thinking about all week is I'm sure you saw on the broadcast on Monday. Um, I, I think it was after Brett Maher's third miss. Um, Dak was on the sideline and slammed his helmet and, and, and mouthed. You could see him mouthing, you know, go for effing two. And I, I don't mean to like make a mountain out of this molehill, but like that is so foreign for Dak Prescott to to show. I don't want to call it negative emotion because it's really understandable emotion, right? Like we all empathize with him in that moment. Um, but, you know, everyone understands the like legacy that is associated with these moments for Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. No offense to Leighton Vanderesh or Michael Gallup or Brian Anger. It is not the same for those people as it is for <laughs> Dak Prescott and Mike McCarthy. Um, and so I feel like we kind of saw that from Dak. Like, I feel like that was the first time I'd ever seen Dak kind of like, it actually, it was the second time um, to go back to, and Mike McCarthy was there, his first playoff game ever. I don't know how well you remember it, but Cowboys lost to the Packers, third and 20, blah, blah, blah. Uh, before the third and 20, Dallas kicked the field goal to tie it in the you know closing minutes. And you know, Dak got them into field goal range and he didn't watch the field goal. I thought that was so interesting. He, um, at the time, Mark Sanchez was his backup or his, you know, backup, he was closer with Tony Romo was obviously there. And he, he had his back to, to, you know, the field and, and just looked at Mark and Mark watched and Mark gave him the assurance like, Hey, Dan Bailey made it or whatever. And I, I had never, you know, thought I hadn't thought about that moment in a long time um, until Monday night when Dak slammed his helmet um, and, and said that, cause it, it really felt like, man, this dude, this dude has heard and seen and taken a lot. And that was sort of this like ex explosion of emotion for him. Again, a very understandable one. Um, and I think that's why he played the way he did. And I don't mean to like make this about momentum or silly things like that, but like that, I, I believe that Dak Prescott is capable of harnessing that. I don't believe that a lot of people are, um, you know, I hadn't realized this until the morning you and I were talking, Dak has a rushing touchdown in four straight playoff games. He's, he's the only player in NFL history to have at least a passing and rushing touchdown in four straight playoff games. And like people say, well, Dak should use his legs. Dak should use the ball. He does. He like, he does when, when the moment is on the line, when it's win or go home, when, when it's, it's all or nothing, he does. And so he's playing in the most all or nothing way that, that I've ever seen him play. And I, I do trust that with all of them. I uh, like the idea of Connor McGovern having a legacy game as team captain. <laughs> that would be right. uh, yeah. That would be funny if legacies are on the line and it means more to Connor McGovern. It's, it's <laughs> and, a contract year for Connor, so I mean, it really is a, a significant thing for him right now. I but his legacy, Brian Anger's legacy, is on the line because of what's happening with this game. Yeah, I understand. Dak's the leader. It's it's more important there for for him to 
have those victories and have those moments to carry the the weight of the Dallas Cowboy fandom on his shoulders. It's wild. I mean, you, we do see it. Like, you know, did did you see any discourse? I mean, besides like the sort of hit people, did you see anybody talk about Josh Allen's three turnovers on Monday morning? No, you know, like not nationally. Um, yeah. I mean, that's that's just the way I love Josh Allen. But like, you know, let's let's be fair. And like, that's just the way it goes. And I had never really seen Dak do anything that he's because he's so buttoned up and he's so conscious of the moment all the time. I had never really seen him do anything that 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 showed that kind of emotion. And so I, I think while some people would look at that and be like, well, he's letting his emotions get away from him. I kind of like that. Like, you know, let like acknowledge the fear, like, you know, because the, the, and I think that was their problem a year ago. You know, the more I, I think about it and look back on it. They walked into that thing fearless and they had no idea what was lurking on the other side of the field. Yeah, I understand that. And through all of it, it's interesting that Dak isn't necessarily a more of a polarizing figure in that way, given the level of scrutiny that's hanging around him with the interceptions. Because even with all the interceptions, I was like, he's still a tier two quarterback. He's still in the same group as Justin Herbert or uh, whoever you want to point to as being the second tier group of quarterbacks. I'm like, yeah, he's still that person i mean one one eight game stretch is not enough to totally change the perception and then we saw it in that playoff game and we saw it in that game against the eagles i remember like in 2017 i think um when when the Cavs played the celtics in one i think one eastern conference finals um whenever the celtics were the one seed and I remember some quote from LeBron after that was after they won game one. And it was like, well, you know, why didn't they, like, did it matter that you didn't have home field advantage or home court advantage? Like, you know, and, and he was and like, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like he's, his quote was something like, well, why kill ourselves for two weeks when we can go take it back in one game? Like, and, and it just kind of like, that's kind of what this idea felt like for Dak. Like, who who cares, dude? Like, you got here and like now you can take everything back in, in one, you know, one window of time, which is obviously the playoffs. And national television against Tampa Bay on a Monday night for right. I think it was the ESPN's highest rated game since the last Super Bowl that they got to broadcast or ESPN ABC. So, yeah, I mean, you get one game to take it back when the Cowboys, like you said, they had the same record this year as last year. Just last year, they lost a home playoff game to San Francisco. And this year they won a road playoff game against Tampa. And mm-hmm. that's just totally changing the perception of the season. Uh, that's uh, uh, Thanks for the time, by the way. I know you said you needed to go real quick. So RJ Oshoa, thanks again. I appreciate all of the time. We went over a little bit from what I said we were going to do, but it was fun conversation. So I, uh, I appreciate it as always. Um, you can follow him on Twitter. There's links in the description to all of his work and stuff like that. Uh, it was uh, very fun to catch up, and I'm rooting for you to get a good result this weekend. I'm hoping that you get something to celebrate at the end of this. I hope so too. Um, it's been a long time, and and someday, I'll you know on Monday night a lot of jokes and a lot of silly things and memes died, and someday they all will. Um, I don't know if that day is Sunday, uh, but I know it's possible. And, and that's enough to, to at least get me to something. Once they die, new ones will emerge, though. New, new ones sure. will eventually emerge once uh, once they come back down to earth. But I think, like you said, this is probably the best run of Cowboys football going back 25, since, even if you since the dynasty. Say. Yeah, since the dynasty. Totally. Yeah. Or even if you want to talk about the two year stretch where, like you said, they got smoked by Brett Favre's uh, Vikings. Mm-hmm. I mean, They've been, they've gone what twenty four and ten the last two years. That's it's really hard to do that in the NFL. It's really hard to pull that off. Yeah, I mean, and all the while, I mean, Philly's been a playoff team twice in that stretch. So you know, you're dealing with some high quality football in the division. New York this year, 
I mean, they're five and two, uh, four and two against current playoff teams, teams that have advanced. And so um, that, and if they advance, it'll be a lot of fun to see them. You know, they swept the Giants, they split with the Eagles. I, I won't sleep next week. If, it, if the Cowboys and Eagles are playing <laughs> with, it, with a ticket to the Super Bowl on the line, it will be the longest week and longest Sunday of my life. Yeah, catch up on sleep in March and April when you will have not a very high draft pick. So don't don't worry about it now. Just just wait and wait until it's all said and done. Wait, man. 